we're going to do a Bible study today. Did anybody come hungry for God's word? And I'm going to share with you a message that the Lord gave me in January for our staff. And as I was preparing to speak to our team at a retreat in January, this word came on my heart in such a profound way. And it has challenged and spoke to me again and again throughout the year. And in preparing for it today, I felt this was the word that God wanted to invest in our Oceans Church community. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus opens by saying, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. The disciples asked for an explanation in verse 18. Jesus said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message of the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, receive it with joy, but since they don't have roots, they don't last long. They fall away because of the problems or persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, it's crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear God's word and truly understand it, and it produces a 30, 60, or even 100x, 100 times as much as had been planted. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that eye has never seen, ear has never heard. It's never entered the heart of humanity, which you have prepared for us who love you. Lord, we thank you that you didn't simply come to make bad people good. You came to make dead people alive. And I thank you this morning that you are calling to life the eternal purpose of God over each and every person in the building. I thank you that you will speak a specific and custom-tailored word to each and every person in this tent, watching online, we pray in Jesus' name, and somebody shouted. As you know, Jesus employed the use of these short stories called parables to explain eternal profound truths. And the parable of the sower and the farmer planting seeds is not just another parable, because in Mark's gospel, we're told Unless you understand this parable, you can't understand any of the rest of them. Apparently, in this story, there is a revelation. There is a truth that's so significant, it is essential, foundational, and fundamental to our walking with Jesus. The illustration is clear. The sower sowing seeds is like a teacher teaching the word of God. The seed represents the word of God and the ground or the soil represents the status or the condition of the heart. Apparently, the condition of our heart, the revelation around the significance of the condition of our heart is absolutely critical to the entire kingdom message. The fact this morning is our heart will always be the number one priority of God. 
your heart status will always be the number one priority of God. Our hearts are our most vulnerable place physically. Obviously, you can live without arms or legs or sight or ears or even internal organs, but you cannot survive without your heart. And likewise, our heart is the most significant, critical area of our life spiritually. Now, thankfully, when we place our faith in Christ, it takes care of the position of our heart. The Bible says we're born in sin, and because we're born in sin, we're enemies of God. His holiness and righteousness and justice keeps him separated from us. But when we place our faith in Christ, that sin nature is broken, and we come into right position with God. Faith in Christ changes us positionally, brings us into alignment. But the condition of our heart is our responsibility. Jesus takes care of the position of our heart, but it's incumbent upon us to tend to the condition of our heart. And Jesus explains that our heart can actually grow calloused over time. Frustrated in Matthew 13, Jesus said, these people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. And, and if we're not careful, our hearts can grow calloused. Suddenly that childlike nature, the curiosity, the passion, the innocence, the worldviews that seize the possibilities can get displaced with offense, doubt, self-preservation, cynicism, judgment, skepticism. And Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your entire life. The status of my heart will determine the trajectory of my life. The status of my heart will determine the path of my life. The status of my heart will determine the direction of our life. You know, the greatest shock for me in the parable is that the pre-existent word of God, the logos of God, the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The, the theme of the word of God and the voice of God in scripture is the most powerful. It was that word that spoke the universe into existence. It was that word that caused the mountains to emerge and the oceans to recede. It was that word that caused the dead back to life again. And that all-powerful, transcendent word of God's power has a lid if a heart condition is not right. God's word has the ability to produce a hundred X transformation in us. God's word to us has the ability to move through us in a hundred X exponential impact. But it's predicated on the condition of our heart. And I believe this morning that God is inviting us individually into a hundred X heart. But as I was speaking to my staff earlier this year, I felt him say, Dominic, Create a hundred X heart in your staff corporately. You know, sometimes God speaks to us individually, but there are other times he speaks to us corporately. In the book of Revelation, he speaks to the entire church in Ephesus, to the entire church in cities and regions. What if Ocean's Church could create a hundred X heart environment where anything God would say to Ocean's, there'd be a hundred X yes, there'd be a hundred X result, there'd be a hundred X fruit. What if the church in Southern California could become a hundred X soil that God could say anything. He could do anything. 
So how do we tend to this sensitive, vulnerable part of our life? How do we maintain a 100x heart? I believe there are five conditions, five distinctives that are found in the 100x heart. And we're going to walk through them this morning. Are you hungry for God's word this morning? The first is purified hearts. James 4 is a kind of a dramatic text for 11 a.m. on a Sunday, but it says adulterers and adulteresses. We're going there. Don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Check this out. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. My submission to God, my, my being under his authority is directly related to my ability to stand in authority. If I will fully submit to God, I'll be able to fully resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now it gets really intense. Therefore, cleanse your hands. This text feels like Old Testament, but James is writing to the church. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify you hearts, you're double-minded. And then he says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. There have been many moments in my journey of following God that I encountered him in a very real way. Oftentimes when I've encountered God in his presence, he's given me a glimpse of what he's calling me into in the next season, given me an instruction or an assignment. Or sometimes you experience God's presence and he reveals his love or some aspect of his nature. But recently, uh, several months ago, as I was spending time with the Lord, he began to say, Dominic, I'm calling you to a, a new place of purity. And you know, spiritual pride is when you compare yourself to anyone other than Jesus. And you could look around at neighbors or friends or colleagues and say, well, I'm not like them, so I must be right. And yet the scripture says, God says, be holy as I am holy. And the invitation to holiness is not burdensome and and difficult and challenging. The invitation to holiness is beautiful and life-giving because the invitation to holiness is the invitation to total freedom. And he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning. You know, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And oftentimes we hear that scripture in funerals. But in its original context, Jesus was actually talking about in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you mourn over the status of your own heart, even your own wickedness. And there are times when, when God wants to say, I'm the potter, you're the clay, and I want to mold you again. I want to cleanse you again. I want to purify you again. And I think it's our nature and we recognize a weakness in our life or even a conviction that the Holy Spirit's brought and, and there's maybe a compromise in that conviction. Maybe we try once or try three times or try seven times or ten times and we think, you know what, I'm never going to overcome this, so I'm just going to coexist with this compromise. I'm just going to coexist with this conviction and, 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 and try to ignore it till it dulls. 
But Jesus actually invites us to bring that thing right to the surface. See, the Bible says whoever confesses their sin finds mercy, but whoever hides their sin will not prosper. And when we confess it, we actually find mercy. He says, submit to God, resist the devil. Lord, where in my life do you not have total leadership? Where in my life do you need to cleanse me? Do you need to purify me? Do you need to wash me again? And you could actually declare his leadership over your mind, your attitudes, your habits, your addictions, your predispositions, your tendency, your worldview, your perspectives. You can say, Lord, I declare your total authority over every area in my life. And sometimes Jesus invites us to more. And I think about Isaiah. Isaiah was the most righteous prophet. He was the preacher of repentance and holiness. And yet he comes into the presence of God and he shouts, woe is me when he sees the Lord. I'm wicked and unclean. And I dwell among a people that are unclean. And when God's inviting us to another place in him, often we'll, he'll expose a place in us we didn't know was there. And, and he'll say, I want to cleanse you again. I want to purify you again. I want to clean you again. The first characteristic, the first distinction of the 100x heart environment is a heart that's pursuing purity. That's passionate for purity. That's not comparing yourselves to each other, but only to Jesus. The second distinctive of the 100x heart are hearts of unity. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for the, when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard, all the way to the edge of the garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending on the mounts of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing. There has been no greater attack on the unity of the church that I've ever known than in the last couple of years. Because the force multiplier, the place of leverage, is the place of unity. In, in the pandemic, we saw all three layers of, of unity get tested. Because there's, there's actually three layers of unity. The first layer, the outer layer, is togetherness. And when we were isolated and in our homes, we couldn't be together. And so that first layer was broken. Then we had to go to the next layer, which was agreements. And we, we got... We got creative and we did zooms and we did digital and we tried to connect that way but then the enemy came and started to divide the church like never before over three masks or no masks or this vax or no vax or all the different racial divisions and tensions and all the things that were inflicted on the nation there was division like we've never known so first the enemy attacked our togetherness then he attacked our agreement but you know when you're in covenant when you're in marriage with somebody, you might not agree on everything. And it's at that point, you just go to the, the, the core of unity, which is commitment. And there's a moment as the church, and we have to say to our brothers and sisters that might not see everything the exact same way we see it, because you're in the family, I choose to be united. I choose to love you. I choose to fight for you. I choose to stand with you. Do you know there are 40,000 denominations globally? 
For 2,000 years, the church has been dividing. What if there was a new conviction and a new generation that says, I'm not going to let my heart be divided. I'm going to stand with the family of God. The greater my love for Jesus, the more mature my love for the church. It's just what happens naturally. See, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's okay to be offended. It's just not okay to stay offended. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses wouldn't come. Every single human being on the earth is imperfect, and you are imperfect. That's, that's an explosive combination, which means we are going to continually have opportunity to stay offended. But the 100x heart looks at every life-giving relationship in our life, looks at every relationship and says, Lord, I'm going to extend forgiveness to them like you've extended forgiveness to me. The 100x heart, you actually say, Lord, if there's any trace of bitterness, any residue of unforgiveness, we're about to approach the holidays, and what a better time for you to look at friendships and and work relationships, and family, and children, and grandparents, and and those that may have wronged you legitimately, but they never acknowledged they wronged me. But what did Jesus do for us? What if we would say, Lord, in light of your great mercy, and love, and tender kindness towards me, I'm going to extend that gift. I'm going to actually give the gift of forgiveness. See, the 100x heart will not hold on to offense, will not hold on to bitterness, will not let there be any residue of unforgiveness in their heart. Don't let 2022 close with unforgiveness still there. Don't let this year, this chapter, this season close with one shred of offense still living. When talking about defense, Jesus said, you got you to gotta call to it like a root and say, come say to that tree, come out and, and leave, leave from which you came. And some of us, we actually have a deep root of bitterness. And Jesus says, I want you to declare that unforgiveness out of your life and by faith, forgive the people in your life. See, the enemy just, every life-giving relationship that God wants you to enjoy your marriage, your children, your family, your friends. He works double time to try to break that unity. There's got to be an absolute commitment that's beyond even physically being together, beyond maybe agreeing on everything, but a commitment that says, I am going to pursue unity. We're talking about the 100x heart. The first condition of the 100x heart is purity. The second the second characteristic is unity. The third is a persevering heart. At the onset of the year, I told the team, I said, guys, we're going to have op- opposition and obstacles, challenges we didn't expect. There's going to be moments we want to quit. And it's okay if we get tired, but we have to guard ourselves. As long as we're in a healthy stretch, we have to guard ourselves from growing weary. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. And the New Testament says, Do not grow weary. What is weariness? It's different from being tired. Because weariness is when 
by dictionary definition, you have a reluctance to want to see or experience anything more. Relu weariness is when you don't want to discover again. You don't want to try again. You don't want to push again. You don't want to press past the obstacle again. You just kind of want to quit. You want to sit back. But the fact is, the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of, of, of victory of success is perseverance. There is not a winning coach, a prosperous business owner, a growing church builder, a successful married person that will tell you differently. Refusing to quit and pushing past opposition is foundational. And here in November 2022, you got one more push in you. Don't you dare let the year close by letting Jesus finish everything he started in you. You know what he told you in January. You know what he showed you in February. You saw the glimpse of the miracle in March. You saw it begin to move forward in April. Do not give up on everything he promised for this season. Turn to your neighbor and say, finish 22. I told our team, I said, the story of our ministry, the story of our journey has been pushing one more time, persevering one more time. I'll never forget we had 2,000 missionaries scheduled to come with us to Honduras. And three weeks before, I got a call from the U.S. Embassy in Honduras. They said, Mr. Russo, we want to meet with you. I sat down. They said, the violence is exploding. You need to cancel One Nation one day. You can't bring the teams. And we had a decision. Would we quit or would we push one more time? I said, well, we, it would be negligence if we did nothing. We've got to do something, but we can't draw back. And so we actually sat with the minister of national security and minister of defense and said, could you give our missions teams 300 full-time security personnel? They said, absolutely. And so we were, we were escorted by military personnel all week. We didn't have so much as a stolen cell phone. The vision moved forward. We're in the Dominican Republic, and 60 days before the event was supposed to go, our Latin international team staged a coup. We had to rebuild the entire campaign in 60 days, 20 simultaneous stadium events. We went to Nicaragua, and we had 2,500 missionaries coming with us, and they were going to do four school assemblies a day, 100 teams of 25. So 400 outreaches per day, five days, 2,000 outreaches. And... Most of that was in schools. When we landed, the first lady changed her mind. She was also the vice president, and she said, we're closing the schools. We had a decision. Would we stop or would we push again? We appealed. We went to media. We went to the, to the powers that be, and by Tuesday morning, we were in all the schools. We were doing One Nation one day in Peru, and all of a sudden, Peru shocked the world and they got to the finals in soccer, which means the entire nation literally set, shuts down. And our final night was going to be the game. And they're going to say, they said, no one will be in any of the stadiums. We said, what are we going to do? We got licensing to stream the game in the stadium. And then we did our altar call and our service immediately after. We had 75,000 people pack into the largest stadium in Central and South America. We were in we felt God call us to Los Angeles, then COVID hit and we had to delay it a year. Now it's the second year and 
We're six weeks out, and Governor Newsom had not yet opened the state. It, it was June 15. Our, our vet was scheduled for July 24th. But finally, on June 15, they opened the state. We had six weeks, and we took the SoFi. God did it again. The story of our ministry was pushing one more time. I believe there are people in the room. God's, God's telling you, I want you to push one more time. I want you to persevere one more time. I don't want you to stop in resistance. Some of you might say, I'm feeling weary. Wait on the Lord. Let him renew your strength. The 100x heart doesn't, gets tired but doesn't get weary. The fourth condition of the 100x heart is a consumed heart. A consumed heart. I think one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible is Romans 9, 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul says something so dramatic. He actually prefaces it three different ways. First, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. That's the first introduction. I am not lying. That's the second introduction. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. Third introduction. In other words, I mean what I'm about to say. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. In other words, the pain I feel on the inside simply never goes away. And then he says something I couldn't imagine saying. He said, if I could, I would be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. In other words, my passion for the salvation of my own nation, my own people is so profound. I would trade my salvation if one more could be saved. And herein lies the secret to the Apostle Paul's ministry. I'll never forget when Lindsay and I were early in our ministry and we were speaking at a youth event in Pennsylvania the conclusion of the weekend, the youth group kind of surrounded us, and a 14-year-old boy began to pray and sp spoke a prophetic word over Lindsay. He said, Lindsay, I feel God telling me to tell you he's going to use you with orphans for the rest of your life. Well, just a couple weeks later, we were scheduled to lead a small missions team to India, and we're, we're in a very remote part of the nation, 99% not Christian, and we're doing these pastors and leaders events in the morning and outreaches at night, very intense climate. And Lindsay says, Dominic, I want to go see an orphanage. I said, Lindsay, we've got to stay focused. I mean, we, we're in a very, this is not a place we could just, she said, you know, when that boy said that, that prophetic word, it struck me and I just want to go see an orphanage. So we talked to our partners and they brought her to a pastor's home. When she walked through the front door out the back, there was a small cement structure about this size of the platform. When she stepped inside, she encountered 70 children sitting on the floor. Lindsay said, who are these kids? And, and the pastor's wife said, these are all full orphans. They have no father, no mother. They sleep on the streets. What we've done is every day we open these doors and these, comes, these kids come and get what will be their one meal a day. In that moment, God speaks to Lindsay, I want you to build them a house. So Lindsay comes rushing back to the hotel. She says, Dominic, I've never heard more clearly from God in my entire life. I met these kids and we are going to build them a house. I said, Lindsay, that's amazing. We're going to put this in the three to five year plan. She said, no, you don't get it. The need is urgent. We have to do something right now. I said, Lindsay, it's February. We've already made all our plans for 2010. Like, we can't add an entire construction project 
And she said, Dominic, you always preach if you make yourself available, God will make you capable. I said, well, that's true. So all year we pushed and stretched. It was probably the most difficult financial straining year we've ever had. But somehow, someway, we got back there in December. We cut the ribbon, opened the doors, and these 50 children went running into the house that never slept in a batter pillow in their entire life. It was like one of the greatest days of our life. They're crying. The kids are crying. Our, Lindsay and I are crying in the house. Parents look at us, and our director's there. They said, Lindsay and Dominic, there are 20 million orphans in India. You can't stop now. Next year, you need to build nine. I said, nine? We almost went bankrupt building one. There's no way we could build nine. But we went home, and as we're praying, Lindsay says, Dominic, I think we should believe God to build our own. I said, Lindsay, I recognize I've not been a good communicator. But I... We can't fund a clean water well right now for a couple thousand dollars, let alone build an entire house. She said, well, let's covenant to God. If he brings us the resource, we'll give it back. And so we prayed. As God is our witness, 48 hours later, Lindsay gets a phone call from the executive producer of NBC's show, Minute to Win It. And the, the producer says, your friend Michelle signed you up with her. She's among 25,000 applicants who applied to be on our season two. Tell us, what would you do if you both came on the show and won the $1 million? <laughs> Lindsay says, I'd build an angel house rescue orphanage. Well, the producer's in tears, flies her to Los Angeles. The girls win, make it to level eight, win and split a quarter million dollars. They make it a two-hour primetime special. Eight million households view the vision of Angel House in one night. And that next year, we built 11 Angel House Rescue Orphanages. We thought, Lord, if you could do this in our lifetime, let's, let's do 100. And you know, we've just at the 12-year anniversary, opened home 276 with 7,000 children out of the streets. And Oceans has been a major part of it. This church is the, is the result of Pastor Mark and Rochelle and this leadership team allowing their hearts to be consumed with a vision. We... We have an invitation right now to let our, our consciousness, our heart, our mind be overtaken, be overwhelmed, to allow our hearts to literally be consumed. Paul said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. The pain doesn't leave. I carry it with me. It coexists with it. It's the pain of God's passion for people. It's the pain of the 14-year-old that's still lost. 94% of people in America that make a decision for Christ do, do so before the age of 30. And we have an entire generation that's disinterested and disconnected what if we would open our hearts and minds and get ready for a move of God to the next generation in this country what if we would say as people who are already Christian I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure what I got gets on my children and my children's children I'm going to inconvenience myself for the next generation. How many people can believe, God, that even through Osun's church, there's going to be a youth revival? There's going to be thousands of young people coming to Christ. From the college to the children's ministry, thousands of young people coming to, to Christ. Could we allow our hearts to get so gripped, so consumed, that we carry God's passion I'm talking about the 100x heart. See, I believe if God could get a hold of our hearts, anything's possible. 
I'm when he seizes our hearts with his will, when, when he writes his vision on our heart and we walk around knowing we're stewarding and carrying a divine assignment, man, there's nothing that can stop us. I believe I'm talking to a tent. I believe I'm talking to a church full of carriers that are carrying something from heaven, that are stewarding something divine, that are holding something sacred and something precious. I'm not trying to just go to work and earn money and live a life. I'm trying to partner with heaven to bring heaven to earth. How many people don't just want to read history, you want to write history? How many people don't just want to live your life but want to live for eternity? Something wild happened to me a month ago. I turned 39, which means I was on my way to 40. And I told my friends who had just turned 40, I go, nobody, nobody prepared me for this. I feel my mortality. I now have a reference point for 40 years. I got 40 years plus, if I'm lucky, and it'll be eternity. It'll be forever, it'll be billions of years. What I do here is what's gonna matter there. I wanna leverage my life for that. I wanna lay down my life for that. I wonder if we could let our hearts get consumed with his eternal purpose. And number five, hungry hearts. The old Westminster, Westminster Catechism asked the question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. That we would have, like Moses had a heart that would say, Lord, if your presence does not go, do not send us up from here. The final condition of the 100x heart is the heart that hungers for his presence, is the heart that says, I'm not gonna be satisfied with a lifestyle void of your real presence. I'm not going to live my life outside of your tangible presence, outside of an awareness of your presence. The worship band can come up right now. I believe, Oceans Church, we have an invitation before us to cultivate a 100x heart, to cultivate a 100x environment so that God could tell us as a community anything. Those of you watching today, so that God could tell us anything. So that he could say, go anywhere. If you haven't figured it out, this is an apostolic church that we'll be sending. I can't imagine the dozens of churches that will come from this community. I can't imagine the ministries. I can't imagine the kingdom impact as this church multiplies leaders. Could you get a glimpse of it this morning? Could you get a glimpse of leaders going out for the four corners of the earth to bring transformation and salvation, to bring entire nations to the feet of Jesus? How many people want to lay nations at the feet of Jesus? How many people want to preach and a million people get saved? There's a young person here. You're going to preach and a million people will call on his name. That's a confirming word to one of you. You're going to preach and a million people are going to get saved in one service. You're going to preach and a million people are going to get saved in one service. Let's just come into agreement with the prophetic scripture over this church. That the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the, that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Lord, let the eternal consequence of this community not be that we have made friends, not just, not just be that we had community, but let it be, Lord, that we impacted eternity. 
Let it be that we changed eternity. Let it be that we brought nations to the feet of Jesus. Stand to your feet all across this tent. There's something, there's an invitation right now. There's an opportunity right now. I want you to perceive it. I want you to sense it. Lift your hands and lift your hearts because he's speaking today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart today. If you hear his voice, there's things he's asking you to do. Some people, there's a seed he wants you to release. There's time he wants you to give. There's a commitment he wants you to make. There's a step of faith you have to take today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. There's a step towards purity. There's a step towards forgiveness. There's another push in perseverance. There's a commitment to unity. There's a revelation of his call. What is he doing in your spirit, in your heart? What is he arranging in your heart? What is he preparing you for? Why does he keep pulling me in purity? Because where he's taking you demands it. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for special use. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. Don't let anyone look down on you are young because you are young, but be an example to all the church in word, in faith, in purity. Listen, young person, in word, in faith, in purity, be an example to all the church. I just feel quickly to open these altars. If you say, Dominic, I want the 100X heart, I'm gonna open the front turf area. You just come to this altar for a moment. This is the second service. We don't have any service after. Let's seize this moment. If you say, I want the 100X heart, I want the 100X environment, I want the 100X posture, that God could say anything, that he could do anything. As we begin to worship, I'm gonna invite you to come to this altar and we're gonna pray. Place one hand under your heart, lift one hand to heaven, church, and pray this with me. From the front to the back, 
from the front to the back. I feel something very sacred, very important happening in a lot of hearts right now. Pray this with sincerity. Say, Lord Jesus, let my heart be ground that brings a hundred X what you want to say, what you want to do. Cleanse me. Purify me. Forgive me. Heal me. I give you my weakness and I receive your strength. I give you my weakness and I receive your grace. I give you my compromise and I receive your holiness. I give you my sin and I receive your blood. I give you my weariness and I receive your perseverance. I give you my offense and I receive your mercy to give to others. I give you my apathy and I receive your hunger for your glory in my life. Lift your voice and worship this morning. Yes, we will go. spiritual victory in this atmosphere Lord we just thank you for the decisions that were made we thank you for the eternal consequence of the journey that's begun for one more moment every head bowed every eye closed we don't want to close 
this 11 a.m. service and not give maybe even one in the, in the tent this morning or watching the opportunity that's never made a personal commitment to Jesus to come to Christ to be saved. Jesus made it plain. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. You can't come to God through your good works. You can't come to God through many ways. Universalism is a lie. Jesus exclusively gives us access to our Creator in heaven. Only His work on the cross deals with our sin and restores us into relationship with God. And so salvation is a free gift, but it must be received. Jesus paid the price, but you must step into what he paid the price to give you. And if you've never made a commitment to Jesus or you know about him and you walked away and you need to make him your Lord, we're gonna invite everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you say, that's me, Dominic, I need to make a firm commitment to Christ, just slip your hand up. I wanna pray with people all across the tent that say, that's me, God bless you, that's God bless you. Many people saying, I need to make a commitment this morning. Let's pray this prayer out loud with those who have lifted their hands. Say, Lord Jesus, today, November 2022, is my day. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I repent. I turn to you. Because you live, I can live. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys.